podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets. Interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. Thank you so much for the great response on last week's episode about the my ATG-nominated episode of The Good Place with Ian Phillips, Adam Morrell, and Graham Radcliffe. Um, seems like everyone really enjoyed it. And special thanks to Mark Evan Jackson, who is on The Good Place. He plays the demon Sean. And he also hosts the Good Place podcast, which is awesome. Uh, thank you so much for giving us a little shout out. I really, really appreciate the support. If you are a fan of the Good Place, the Good Place podcast is really unique. It's really in-depth and funny and great conversations that take place with the actors, writers, producers, and crew of the show. And you really get a sense of how great it is to work on The Good Place and how nice our crew is, really. And it's always great to hear from Mike Schur when he's on. He's so smart and funny and really gives you more to think about uh, in the episode. So thank you again. I wanted to do a little sidebar here uh, and call out my alumni college, Jefferson University which when I went there was called Philadelphia College of Textiles and Sciences. And the year I graduated, it changed its name to Philadelphia University, PU, as I like to call it. And then just recently to Jefferson University because it merged with the medical university. Uh, Jefferson has been named one of the top 15 interior design schools in the country by Architectural Digest. I always say that my education of uh, like history and art and architecture or fabric structure and drafting and CAD. All of those help me in this job uh, almost every day. I, I definitely know that my education uh, is needed for my background uh, and passion. Although a lot of people aren't educated in it and it's just the passion, it's you still have done research. You still have educated yourself. I believe that. I would never have been hired for one of my first jobs on Wheel of Fortune if I didn't know CAD then. Not sure if I could do it now. Um, I had learned SketchUp uh, years ago. I'm sure I could figure that out now. It was like a dumbed down sort of CAD version. Um, it's probably been like 20 versions of CAD since I last touched it. But uh, I know I could pick up a pencil and draw. And that is one of the skills I learned there. And... I just, I loved drafting. That was like one of my favorite classes. And I was lucky to learn hand drafting and computer drawing at the time and waiting hours in the cab lab for, you know, your final drawing to render or uh, taping dimes to the back of your triangle retractor thingy so it didn't smudge your drawings. I mean, these, these are problems you have in college. Um, so congratulations to Jefferson University for the for the ranking. And um, yeah, on this episode, my interview is with production designer John Schaffner, whose work you know, you know, because have you ever seen Friends? Have you ever seen Two and a Half Men, The Big Bang Theory, 
Are you watch mom? Are you going to watch the SAG Awards this weekend? I mean, he's done it all. He has such a plethora of long-running hit multi-camera shows on his resume. I don't think the guy has taken a break in like 25 years. He chose the fabric of the Golden Girl sofa. I mean, that in my book. I mean, that's huge. I mean, who? How could you How could you do it? It's so... <sighs> Hello? I, I... Is this on Golden Girls? He painted Monica's apartment purple. I don't know. I'm just going to tease about the story that he has with the elevator and the Big Bang Theory because that's a good one. Just wait for it. John has 31 Emmy nominations and four wins. He has 20 ADG noms, three wins, a Cable Ace Award nomination, eight Daytime Emmy nominations, two wins. In 2001, he was nominated three times that year and was up against himself in the multicam category. He has a total of 64 nominations and nine wins. He's been the chairman of the Academy of Television and Arts and Sciences Board of Governors, and he is currently nominated for an ADG award for his work on the last season of The Big Bang Theory. Very nice man to share his time with me, so I hope you enjoy. Do you do you still get nervous after what is it 64 nominations? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it's that's all. all in all kinds of things. I haven't gotten 64 at the Art Directors Guild. No, well, no, but all together with your Emmys and your daytime Emmys and I mean, oh my gosh, you've been up against yourself how many times? <laughs> oh, so many times I can't even remember. <laughs> Does that um, well, I was going to say, is it hard? Would you be mad if one won and one lost? I guess not. But um, you really, you, you're you in such a fascinating position with uh, multicam that you get to work on multiple shows at the same time. Now, are you able to do that because you have a design partnership and, and collaboration? Or do you think you'd be able to, you know, handle, I mean, sometimes you're, on two to three shows, I it looks like, or well, even yeah. Let me uh, let me back up. Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, uh, as a production designer, uh, inadvertently rather, uh, I ended up, and my partner Joe Stewart ended up in the field of multi-camera entertainment design. So that's mm -hmm. talk shows, game shows, award shows, you know, kids shows, uh, variety, music, entertainment. Uh, and sitcoms. And it has always been the tradition of in the business for multi-camera designers to multitask and multi-job. Definitely. And especially, uh, and, and, and very much so, even in the comedy sitcom business, um, Don Roberts was the primary designer for Norman Lear on most of Norman's shows, although there was another designer who was involved, uh, Chuck Morosky, uh, for a while. Um, but Norman had, I can't even remember how many shows he had on the air at one time. Well, I think it was like six or something yeah. at one time, yeah. And when I first moved to California, I went to work with uh, for um, Ed Stevenson, who was a production designer of renown, who had transitioned from music entertainment and had done some single camera work features. Uh, he was doing four or five, six sitcoms at a time, especially with Whit Thomas Harris. And uh, uh, th there have been several, many designers 
who and comedy designers who do multiple shows. And to this day, Bernie Vizca does multiple shows. Glenda yeah. Rapella does multiple shows. There's, there's quite a group of, there's a small uh, group of us, I will say. So yes, it's, it's, it's not unusual. And uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that in multi-camera comedy, it's like summer stock and you design the play a week in advance and all of the sets are installed and decorated. And at that point, you're no longer really tied down with day-to-day -day management of that particular episode. Right. So you have a lot of ability to juggle your time and prioritize. So when you're doing multiple shows, you know when you're going to have space to to dedicate to the other show um, because the show that you've you've got one show designed and it's it's moving in through construction and paint and it's then it's get set up and so that allows you to do the the multiple shows and in addition of course most production designers who've done multiple shows uh, end up with uh, a team of people that we've worked with for a long time. Garvin Eddy, who for years did all of Carsey Warner Productions, he mm -hmm. had his, you know, set designers and assistant art director teams, and I've worked with two people here at Warner Brothers who have worked with me. We've added it up. Uh, Darren Jaynes and Francoise Cherry Cohen have been with me now, I think, 23 years. Oh, wow. So, which is completely unique. Yeah. In single camera work, uh, people become teams and you might do a series, and when they, you complete that series, you hope the production designer gets another series and that yeah. you all continue working together. Yeah. But because multi-camera multitasks and overlaps, it's much easier to keep the same people working for you year after year. Uh, oh, oopsie. Sorry, sorry, my bad, sorry. Long answer to your short question. No, no, no. That's that's the exact answer I'm looking for because I I I really do sort of run this as if I don't I know nothing because I feel like we all have so many different titles and different niches that we do that I feel like for the audience it's easier explained because we know the lingo and you know most people don't in our out, outside of our world when i first came to town and went to work for ed uh edward stevenson uh he sort of realized well i think i'll you seem multi-talented i'm going to make you my decorator so <laughs> my first job for him was to babysit benson and then to replace everything that the original decorators had had rented and then after that first season, they said, well, this is going to run for a while. Let's buy everything. All right. <laughs> and asked me, do you think you can do that? And I said, sure. So I did. Um, and then the following year, he said, well, I'm going to have you decorate Benson and Soap. And the other decorator who was working for Ed, and we were working under the title Assistant Art Director under mm -hmm. the work contract. And Dwight Jackson left and, and Ed said to me, John, do you think you could do all four shows? So I decorated Benson Soap, It's a Living, and a show called uh, I'm a Big Girl Now, starring Danny Thomas. Um, I loved It's a Living. I was like obsessed and wanted to be a waitress in LA so bad from watching that show. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to get the like the black and white little uh you know 
waitress outfit that they wore. Right. I was like obsessed with that show. I loved it. Great job. Great cast. <laughs> and I, I, uh, uh, Dwight decorated the pilot and then I took that show over. But again, that was something that today in, in the workplace, it's very rare for a decorator to do multiple shows. Yeah. Uh, the contract under the basic agreement disallows decorators to do yeah. uh, at more than one show under two different payrolls. They yeah. can do two shows when it's under the same payroll, which is why Ann Shea can design, decorate both uh, Mom and uh, the Bob Hart Abishola series. Right. And she was doing Big Bang, or you both were doing Big, Big Bang. Big Bang and, for and, that, yeah. Yeah. And then, do you also think that it's become harder to do multiple multicam because of the amount of swing sets you have? Well, I feel like new shows, we have more sets. It's constantly more sets. There's constantly more. I mean, when it used to be like you'd average one or two swing sets a week on a comedy show, and now it's often, you know, three, four, five, yeah. six. Yeah. Uh, one advantage that I have uh, and that that multi-camera designers have across the board is that under the studio systems, they've built up some stock sets over the years. Paramount mm -hmm. has their collection. Fox has a collection. Sony has a collection. Warner Brothers has a collection. Universal has a collection. So when you get the script and you break it down, you quickly say, well, I know I can use this restaurant that we used last year on this other show and it's still in stock maybe somebody else has used it and repainted it but i'll bring it in repaint it and change the wallpaper on it and call it something else so sometimes you have the ability to pull in walls or stock scenery that you rearrange so you're not designing from scratch every single set usually right right you're getting you're you're making it your own even though it's been built you still have to manipulate it for the for your specific set correct so that, that does help facilitate. I mean, we have very little time. I mean, uh, yeah. I have a show this week where we received the script um, the day before yesterday in the late afternoon, and it needs to be ready to start rehearsal on Monday. So yeah. we're pulling a lot of things out of our Your hat. sets have to be done when they rehearse, almost complete, I would yes. say. Yeah. Yeah. That's so much. And then you tape like on a Tuesday or Thursday night, whatever schedule. Or Friday. It's, it's a five-day uh, work process with a production meeting, table read day, two rehearsal days, a day of, of pre-blocking and some pre-shooting, and then the audience show day. You've had uh, multicam shows that have had very long runs. I mean... I'm very fortunate, yes. Two and a Half Men and, and Big Bang and, I mean, uh, Friends. Friend. Yeah. Do you go into it thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to design it like this because I know, you know, I know that they're going to want this eventually. Or this is probably going to be, this is going to be a good show. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really. You always, this. always as a production designer enter into the, the, with your experience and of course experience you gain more experience I'm, I'm fortunate that i had that early experience working for ed for three years long long time ago mm -hmm. um and and i never let go of anything that i had learned but i do know also from my theater my classical training in the theater 
because I had gone to Carnegie Mellon and have a master's in stage design there. You know, you understand a lot about putting a play together and you know you're going to do lots of plays. So in the end, when you design a, a basic set for a, a sitcom comedy, you're constantly going, okay, now in the future, they're probably going to need a bathroom, another hallway, etc. On Friends, it became evident to us that there are six characters who were going to be playing in the room at the same time. We wanted to give them a lot of entrances. So both bedrooms opened right onto the set. The door to the bathroom opened right onto the main set. There was a hallway with a mystery door that later yeah. became Monica's secret closet. Um, <laughs> we came up with the idea that, that they crawled out the window and had their little balcony, or as we used to call them in New York, tar beaches, where there are <laughs> sections of the roof line that might stick out. So you can go outside. So it's not an authentic terrace but it would be something that you could utilize. More often than not, you climbed the last set of stairs and went up on the roof. But in this case, we made it outside the, the window, you know, on the, on their, because they were kind of on the top floor of their building anyway. Right. Um, so we're always thinking about, you know, that and, and uh, how we can, you know, take advantage of, of things. Like on, on, on the Big Bang Theory, uh, I presented the design uh, with an elevator in the hallway separating the two apartments. And and the producer and the team were like, why did you put an elevator in there? The whole point is we want them to walk up and down the stairs for those transitional times. That's that's what it was, uh, something was really behind this in, in the series. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I think the elevator is broken and the landlord is never going to fix it. And, you know, everybody agreed that, yeah, and in the end, that gave him opportunity for a story to, to go there, you know? Yeah, so what, a, what, a, what a last episode sort of uh, bonus for everyone, I think. Yeah, when the elevator finally worked. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing story that that came out of the design, and that wasn't like a written thing. And, and how yeah. often are uh, the designs or the decor in the room... You know, we have a hand in like, oh, they made a joke out of that or and that became like a plot point. You know, I, I know with Big Bang, the, the decor in the room and everything of how how much people love, love, love that show and uh, wanted all of those little scientific measurement things and and the brainiac sort of uh, little details. I think it became well, I, I, it's its own little iconic world that, you know, people try to mimic. Well, that's our job, you know, is to is to read the script, get as much information as we can out of that. That's where we start, you know, have conversations about the, the characters and the story with the creators of the show. And then as we see the the roles being cast, that sheds more light onto who these people are. And our yeah. goal as as a production designer and certainly you and everyone who works in this business is, is decorating whatever your goal is to to flesh out those characters and and you know uh i think one of the m amazing pieces of work it was done by uh mary uh the costume designer on the big bang theory she <laughs> truly helped those actors define themselves because she she really truly came up with all of these ideas of how each character would be identified through their their clothing, you know? And oh, of course it was a collaborative process, 
but she really did an amazing job and I think has never really received the acclaim she should have for this that amazing work. Oh, definitely. And, and they became uh, top sellers. I mean, people just walk around with the shirts that, that yeah. the characters have. I mean, and how many times does that ha- look how many? I mean, I had a Rachel haircut. I mean, it's these shows influence you so much when you're watching them every week. And your laugh, I think the camaraderie of laughing too makes you feel comfortable with these characters. And oh, I could be like that, or like I could pull off that haircut and I could have that sofa and you know, I could paint my apartment well, purple. <laughs> yeah, well, we want the we want we want our audience and on shows like this to, to really, as you describe it, feel comfortable, you know, that we make the environment inviting a place you want to spend time in, you know. I mean, the purple apartment was really kind of came about uh, executive producer Kevin Bright said to me I don't want another landlord white apartment you know where there's too many to that on TV let's think about what you know what what would be a great what would be color how can we bring color into the set and I just it just popped into my head I said well I think we should paint it purple and they looked at me like I was out of my mind and he said what do you mean and I said well you know let's just Say they got a big bucket of purple paint and painted the whole, everything, the molding, the trims, the doors, everything. And so he said, well, show me what that would look like. So, you know, I I had a little white paper model that we, you know, watercolored up. And I said, look, we're going to, we're going to, the kitchen is going to have some other colors in it. And the little hallway upstage will, we'll, so it isn't going to be one bucket of purple. But uh, and, and, and we were guided a little bit in, in our heads about the fact that, you know, purple is a really great color for, you know, many skin tones. Right. And I knew that we had three beautiful women and were going to be on this show and they'd all everyone would look great on it all the time. It did. It did for some choices, uh, first in decorating, where, um, as we described to Greg Grande, who decorated the show, what kind of New York environment this was that you, 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 it's a mix and match eclectic world because you get things off the street or you, when you don't have money, you, you know, you, you find stuff. And, yeah. uh, but it did force Greg to make choices where there were a lot of neutrals, the neutral carpet, the neutral sofa, the kind of neutral wood. There was some of the amber tones into it, you know, that he brought into the curtains. And then of course the picture frame over the, door was a story that that i had said to greg what are we going to do about the back of this slab door this is what you have in a new york apartment there's no molding there's nothing on it except a peephole and we need you to get one of those little uh you know doorbells which you push from the outside and Mm -hmm. you, you see it and then i said you know in new york lots of times we used to you know put pegs and hang umbrellas and bags there so if you live in a walk-up apartment when you leave you kind of make sure you've got everything and the next day he came up and showed me this picture frame and he said what do you think of this and held it over the the peephole and I said glue it on I love it (laughs) and that's where positive that's a great you know I don't the, the collaboration is very important between the set decorator and the production designer oh definitely now when because in multicam the center of the scene you, always seems to be the sofa it's an iconic you know the 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 central perk sofa or uh you know the even the big bang sofa uh, like how much collaboration 
do you think back and forth you have with the decorator on that? Well, usually when when we're decorating a show, you know, I start out after because I usually have the first meetings and mm -hmm. I usually bring the first research. You know, I'm I'm starting to set up what it is going to look like. And uh, uh, first of all, there's the geography of the sofa on yeah. our comedy. Uh, on Friends, we actually got it to run perpendicular to the camera aisle, which was unique. But then that allowed us to put the sofa in the in the coffee house exactly, you know, where you're used to seeing it. And so you always struggle with that. But then when it comes down to the sofa itself, I think our first conversation is usually about scale and style and 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 then color. Um, mm -hmm. And and whether to make a bold choice, uh, like we did with the melon colored sofa in the coffee house that uh, Greg grew up and brought in, or I'd like to look back and think of the fabric that I selected for the pilot to the Golden Girls, that's so because oh, that was the last thing I had de I had decorated professionally. Um, Which is another iconic sofa. I mean, that's that's where you you want to be on that sofa having a conversation with Sophia. Yeah, but you then you, you got to you got to bring enough throws and throw pillows <laughs> that when wardrobe is like, I'm losing my mind. I want to put her in this you know, <laughs> peach top. I don't want her to blend in. So that's when you bring in the blue you know throw and stick it over the back of the sofa so there's a yeah. lot there's a lot of that on that show um but anyway yeah so there's there's all the kinds of things that you do in a collaborative process but usually as a production designer you're the one who kind of gets to start the conversation you've got the research you've you've, you've had yeah. some of the meetings and normally now i usually create boards with uh, pictures that you know are so much more easier to find on on the internet than used to be cutting magazines apart. Um, yeah. We 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 put a board together early on because so often now uh, they won't pay for a decorator to start uh, to help me do that. So I end up making the boards and choosing all kinds of things for my presentations. Uh, and then yeah, I definitely feel like my prep time has gotten less and less. All the time. Yeah, it's a cheat. I don't know why. When the shows are getting bigger and they're making the amount of time you have to go out and find everything shorter, it just it's a. It's really. You gotta ask for more help all the time, then you know you yeah. have to outsource more. Yeah. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, did you know that uh, the Big Bang Theory and um, what was it? Big Bang Theory and Friends are Lego sets. Yes, I do, and I still have to obtain a couple of those, you know. Oh, I was looking at them, and I was thinking, man, if only production designers got residuals. <laughs> oh, if only production designers got residuals. We are paid by the week, and we're, you know, we're, we're hired to do the job, and once we're done, we're gone. And yeah. But on the other hand, the legacy of the work remains. Yeah. And then, and look, I mean, your friend set is part of the WB tour. I mean, they're getting, you know, people are touring that. Hundreds and hundreds of people are touring that every day. Oh, yeah. Work and to sit on that sofa and take a picture. I mean, it's, uh, I I think, I know that I read once that the production designer of Cheers right. got, got a residual. But it was like 250 a year or something. <laughs> like something right. Right. Super no. low. Yeah, the, right. the, the New York contract, uh, and I'm not sure if it still does, did allow for residual for designers of television shows. 
Oh, wow. uh, because it was based on the theatrical uh, concept that if you have a Broadway show and it's running, even though you were paid to design it, as long as it runs, you still get paid every week something. Right. And, and it was based on how many Broadway shows you've had. The more Broadway shows you have that ran, the more money you get under their contract. Well, uh, yeah, but that I've means the more gotten, work you had to do. <laughs> yeah, I've only gotten residuals on on a couple of projects here. One was uh, Showtime at the Apollo, uh, which yeah. I designed, and the producer, Bob Banner, one of the greats, uh, they used that set for like 10 years. And he every year I get a check for, you know, $3,000 or some amount and with a note saying, we're still using your set and we're still grateful for what you did that made it so flexible that, you know, we still love it. Oh. He was a, gentleman, a true gentleman of the old yeah. school. And, yeah, isn't, and isn't that the thing? You just want to be thanked. You just want to be like thought about and appreciated a lot of the time. Now, yeah. when did you come to Los Angeles? I hear I you said Carnegie Mellon. You said, and then you were in New York, and then so when did you come here? Well, we we'd been working in the theater, and we decided well one day, you know, before we're too old to ever leave New York because there reaches that point in if you live in Manhattan that you'll never leave. And we'd been there three years and we said, well, why don't we, before we get locked, let's check out the West Coast. So uh, we had been doing some, you know, a work that had been made for public television as assistants. And so we bought a 1965 Thunderbird convertible, the same exact car oh, and awesome. color that they used on Thelma and Louise. Not the same car, but the same model design that Thunderbird 65. And convertible and and we drove it to hollywood and started That's calling around <laughs> got jobs just just got in town and got jobs <laughs> yeah i had i had in new york through a classmate of mine i had been hired to do a perry como christmas special in colonial williamsburg and i was you know had had very little experience in media design uh but it was Colonial Williamsburg. So I went down sort of as a glorified set decorator slash production designer to work with the director and the curators in, in Colonial Williamsburg to describe the environment that they wanted for this song and what what Perry was going to be doing. And then I would go in and they would take me into the warehouse and I got the incredible good fortune to select well, let's use these dishes. They'll show up nicely on camera and give color to it. And then talk about where we should hang the wreaths and how much we should do to each room. Because I would say, well, our goal is to have a little bit of Christmas in every shot. And, you know, that's why a lot of times in real life, when you see a, a set decorated for the holidays, it seems so overly dressed. So, yeah, but you got you have to because you never know what the camera's going to see and focus on. Right. You want to see a little bit of Christmas in every shot. Yeah. And through that connection with, with Bob Banner and his company, when I moved to California, I connected with them immediately. And they were kind enough to bring me aboard on a couple of projects as the designer. I immediately did a, a 25th anniversary of the Riviera Hotel TV special in Las Vegas starring Liberace and Tony Orlando and Don <laughs> and Don Rick, all the people that ever worked the Riv, as we used to call it. Oh, I when I was little, my parents we used to go there. We would stay there. I know the Riviera well. Riv. <laughs> the Riv. The Riv. They had the best Italian restaurant. 
Yes, that was the famous one. They would make the fettuccine right at the table. It was it was awesome. And the Caesar salad. Oh, my God, it was so good. Back in the day when there weren't nine million fine restaurants. No, no, that was, that was it. <laughs> yeah. So that was, I, I, you know, honestly, that was, uh, we made our move in, in uh, we, we, we really set up here in January of 1980. Wow. And then I, I saw on your credits, you have so many with David Copperfield. Do you know the guy? Oh, God, yes. We, yeah? You know, and that oh, was curious. God phone call a friend of ours was is the was the lighting designer for him uh, bob dickinson a renowned designer of like the lighting for the oscars the tonys the grammys etc and he had uh, i'd met him on the perry como show when he had been a gaffer and so Ooh. he had moved on and and become uh, his uh, own designer especially he did solid gold anyway he was working with david and david had shot the alcatraz segment and escape and then he needed uh designs for the rest of the show that would be shot on a stage and with this case the pasadena playhouse and mm -hmm. then he would take those sets on tour so i can't even remember if we did 10 or 11 of his television specials um and we would always huddle in with david and you know he would talk us through the illusion and what what was going to be there and he would try to make us guess how it was going to be done um, and sometimes he would never really, really, really tell us, although we pretty much figured them all out. Um, and he would, it would be an, a need to know deal, you know. He was pretty cagey about that. But uh, we had great, great working collaboration with David, and we still stay in touch and, and send regards back now and then. But his career is, has, he has stopped touring and he's locked himself into his setup in Vegas at the, uh, at the MGM Resort, and uh, uh, he doesn't tour hardly. I don't think he tours at all anymore, you know. But we we go and see the show, and he what says, well, we, you know, we make suggestions and you know, <laughs> have a good chat. Would you want to do that? Would you want to design, like, Vegas stage shows? Well, you know, we've kind of done some of that. Uh, we did uh, the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular outside New York. So we did the Detroit, Chicago, Myrtle Beach, uh, Branson, Los Angeles productions. And then we'd add a new one every year and while well, they kept playing. And, you know, it would change a little bit being, you know, the city it was in and stuff. And then it went to, they were going to go to, to uh, Mexico City. And we had done Miss Universe in Mexico City. So we sort of stepped back from that. But we did do then the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And the last big kind of touring thing was uh, Marvel Live, which was a sort of a stadium show about with the Marvel characters in it. Oh, so wow. we've kept one hand a little bit over the years in that. We did, Joe did Toy Story 3 on ice. <laughs> on. Arthur, the tour, you know. So we've done an, enough of that. Um, but, but theatricals do tend to lock you into a really lengthy period of technical rehearsals and, um, uh, leading to the opening night. Uh, whereas it, whereas you do one-offs with like the SAG awards you and start on Monday, you know, and, and eight days, nine days later, it's showtime and you're done. So that's all the prep you get is, 
eight, you have more than that. Design. Well, you have your yeah. design and the sets are pre-constructed and seating yeah. design, you know, construction places. But the time that you're in the theater is is much shortened. Right. Uh, whereas in a theatrical enterprise, your time in the theater, your tech rehearsals and tends to last at least two weeks, if not longer. Do you prefer doing the live events or the TV? I think doing it all, all keeps yeah. you, you know, engaged. Press. In <laughs> gives you variety, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh, that's good. I would, I was, I took a look at um, Mom and yeah. The Ranch because I hadn't seen them. So I watched a couple of episodes of those last night. And two things sort of stuck out to me. Um, Mom uh, stuck out is that the sets seem like they are just straight on. And yeah, it's a pretty classic multi-camera show with a camera aisle and a live audience and as much as the shows we can is shot in front of the live audience yeah but i always feel like multicams have a lot of angled walls for those camera shots and everything and and then i was looking at mom thinking like oh this is like no this is like straight on like that that kitchen wall um, like the, the wall between the kitchen and the living room is that little cutoff. It's like straight on. Like everything sort of, as you say, like the camera aisle is right there. And it well, seems... You, you make those choices sometimes, you know, you're whether to box rooms, you mm -hmm. know, and play 90 degree angles uh, is, is can be done. You don't have, I mean, it's very common, especially in the soap opera world, to do angled open sets. And it was mm -hmm. much more common, I would say, in the early days of multi-camera and live TV uh, because of the equipment and stuff. Now, we don't, we don't arbitrarily wing walls out just on purpose unless we can do it uh, by angling some of the upstage walls. Um, you know, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of design. Every, we've tried every which way to try to make the three walls we have in a, you know, in a box set, you know, yeah. have, look like more walls. I mean, I always say that that what we do, we have three walls in theory to put everything on it that a single camera designer has for four walls. Mm -hmm. so windows, your fireplace, your stairs, you know, your doors, your hallways, all those things that you want to have in a room got to be on the spaces that you have. You don't have that fourth wall. Now, lots of times we build a fourth wall to cover for a certain camera angle, but we rarely, re really yeah. rarely use them. Yeah. Um, so you're always inventing ways to give rooms interest and, you know, give certain kinds of angles to them that allows you to, you know, look like it's honestly meant to be shaped that way, you know? Yeah. I, and I would. Oh, go ahead. One reason also, though, that sometimes we do wing a wall out uh, in the little tiny kitchen on Mom. Uh, the camera left wall is very much at an angle. So the upstage wall is very narrow. And mm -hmm. as the, the room comes towards you, it gets wider. And that helps accommodate for four cameras when we need them there. Um, but, but because it kind of, it sort of has a little forced perspective quality to it, and because sometimes you only see the width of the back wall being this wide, you don't quite always perceive how much bigger the room has gotten towards the front. Right. You know, it's a little, it's a slight trick. It doesn't work 
all the time. But yeah, it deceives the viewer, but you get that space to to for the actors. Correct. The the thing in the ranch that I thought was beautifully done was the staircase that comes right sort of down into the main living room. And I thought, well, that's a really good choice because you have that sort of small walk and talk that they're always going to catch and the actor's not going to be sideways. They're going to be dead on. Stairs into living rooms is something you spend a lot of time in. You know, if you can if you can get them on a slight angle, you have a better chance. Lots of times they run just up and down stage. Every time someone goes up the stairs, it's butt to camera. (laughs) And and (laughs) if if it's on a sidewall, you know, sometimes that is awkward, too. So oftentimes I've tried to 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 angle stairs. But, you know, you have to kind of look at where who are these people? Where do they live? And at some point you decide what kind of house it is. Yeah. Try to give some level of honesty an appreciation to is it a craftsman house is it a ranch house is it an old house that they've added on to is it a brand new house um you know that that helps guide you the 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 ranch sets i think are are so deeply layered and so aged and and beautifully done i i think they're really phenomenal and it's a i think it's a really nicely lit show also Don Morgan, who was the lighting d- d- director, designer, DP uh, on that, is uh, to really, I've worked with him off and on for years and years. And right now he's doing the Connors, this Roseanne spinoff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but with that show, we really struggled with the fact that in order to, to make the show, we really struggled to try to make a multi-camera show be as real as possible in many ways. Right. Part of the challenge was that we had to set a level of reality with because of the exterior, you know, the porch and the and the yard, the yeah. side, all the, the mud, the, <laughs> the mud. You know, doing that on stage, I always say the hardest thing to do is outside, inside, mm-hmm. you know? and and trying to get that space and getting enough space so that we could do trees and do things that looked as real as we could, you know, get it to look. And, you know, going into the interior of the set, I mean, it, it really isn't, it wasn't, the ranch is not a classic comedy. There's humor in it, but in many ways it's, it's, it was, it was, uh, it was a dramedy, mm-hmm. a good word. You could also call it sometimes a version of a soap opera. Um, it also had elements of, you know, melodrama as well. So it, it, it didn't, it, it really wanted to, in order for the audience to, to go there, you had to give it that extra level of seriousness in, into some way. I mean, I think if you take a, a, a real comedy where there is humor, I mean, I think mom is interesting because it has real wonderful high comedy and oftentimes very broad layered against moments that are serious serious problems (laughs) but in order for you to accept the poignancy of some of those serious moments uh the 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 you have to kind of treat the whole thing a little bit a little bit lightlier i i'd like to think you know right otherwise the, the show would just you would weep sometimes and i have yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. The performance, Alice and Jenny is just amazing. And the whole 
past is yeah. is I, I pinched myself yesterday at the run through I, I I turned to I remember who I was dining with I think the prop man and or maybe I just went you know we are so lucky when we come in here and we see in our 22 minutes of run through here some of the most amazing acting and and I walked from that show over to Bob Hart Abishola over to the Connors and I see Laurie Metcalf and John Goodman and Sarah Gilbert. I'm like, whoa. And then I go over next door and I see Allison and Mimi and Anna and the team over there. It's like, whoa. I mean, I'm like seeing the best of the best. Yeah, when you have great talent on screen, I mean, it's it becomes almost a little bit easier to design and decorate for because you want it to be that good. You want to be a part. You you. You really want it there for them. To well, and they, they communicate to you a, a, a truth that that helps you find the truth in it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I have I have sat through many a run-through of a pilot or, and going, oh, my God, I've never seen so much acting. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, it's like, oh, dear, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then I come and see something like this, and I'm like, whoa, these people are so... So it was yeah. such such talent, such skill. Oh, believe me, uh, on uh, you know rehearsals during Veep, I would pinch myself and be like, I, "No one in the room can keep a straight face, and how are we? How are they going to get away with that?" And oh, good, they just spun around in that chair and it made it better, or something. You know? Oh, yeah, the, the, well, yeah, that's another. That was another. That's another show that has a cast that's just. Well, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Really, you know. Yeah, no, it's they, it, it's incredible, uh, amazing talents that they have. I mean, we we are just as talented. You you're probably a lot more talented than I am, but you just. <laughs> no, I'm happy to have a job. Oh, me oh me too. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this: You have had shows that have had long runs that have ended. Do you have any like special or favorite? shows or show that you had and or a favorite set that you've done well i mean i'm always going to start with with friends just because it it was our beginning really in in many respects and Mm -hmm. the relationships that i had with the executive producers and the team that worked on that show was friends it was friends all the way around no matter you know literally and figuratively um and and there's a soft spot in our heart for that always. But I like to say I pretty much love all my children equally. You know, <laughs> uh, of course, the, the the Big Bang Theory uh, was was a marvelous project because it was always funny, and they often found humor in in just the most marvelous ways that was not in any way at all ever crossed the line into offensiveness you know Mm -hmm, i mean mm -hmm. i loved i loved two and a half men because that's where it went a lot of the time was (laughs) excuse me what did you just say and you know and then there are other shows that i loved like the drew carey show with drew it was we did nine years of that and we did some of the most outlandish things with these big dance numbers just wow. tucked into the show. Hysterically, and, just breaking out into song. So that was such a good show. I loved that show. You know, and I wish it was. I wish it was more available because I, I think 
it it would it was it was timely in many ways. I mean, I think one of our challenges too in design is to try to create a look on a show that doesn't get dated right away. You mm. know, and, yeah. I, and I think that you know if you turned in you know eleven years ago and watched the pilot of the Big Bang Theory, or at least the second pilot, the one you know that the show was based on. Uh, all the way to the very end, you, you kind of lose track of what year it is because it doesn't, it A, didn't change that much, but it felt like we weren't, we weren't slave to contemporary, this is how your living room should look this year. Right. You know, I think we fail sometimes when we ape too much the current trend, the trend yeah. of before. If we just, if we try to do everything like Chip and Joanne, in five years, it's going to look like this year. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I think Friends, because of its eclectic nature of decor, you know, in some ways, you tune it in and you look at it and you don't immediately say, oh, this must be 1994. Right. You know, you, you could, that, that, that could be someone's apartment right now. Yeah. It's and timeless. It, rather than making it look like we just bought it all at, at you know, no offense meant, but at Ikea, and yeah. where everything's up to date in Kansas City, uh, right. <laughs> then it gets out of date, you know, much, much faster. So I think it's important sometimes on these shows to create something that you can hope is, has a semi-timeless look, you know? No, I think you're absolutely right. And then when you just work, you're working now on the Connors, how was that bringing, like, replicating that and keeping true to to the original uh, show. Well, here, this is kind of a fun story, actually. Okay. So I was brought on board to, to recreate uh, Roseanne. Mm -hmm. And of course, Garvinetti, who had been the original designer, I, he had been Ed Stevenson's number one assistant when mm -hmm. I was decorating. So I'd known Garvin since 1980. Mm -hmm. Garvin, you know, his assistant, Jerry Dunn, has been working with me on other projects. So I had that. I also have wonderful designer, associate, set designer, assistant art director, art director in Daniel Sachs. Um, Daniel Sachs's mother was B. Arthur. And yes. Daniel brings so much to the party because he he really has a most observing eye. And so he I brought him on board and Ann Aaron's the decorator. And and Ann and I went to a meeting with Roseanne, Whitney Cummings. Bruce Helford, the executive producer, and Sarah Gilbert. And we sat there and, and they said, well, you know, it's been 20 years since we went off the air. Obviously, you know, things have worn out, things have changed. We, we, had, we feel that it's time to update their house. They still live in the same house. So we'd like to recreate the same architecture. Roseanne said, well, maybe he was a contractor. Maybe he got rid of those funny windows over the kitchen sink you know, and fix those. And well, maybe, maybe they got some new carpet and you know, that sofa wore out. So they finally went and got a new sofa and what? well, they needed to re-wallpaper the kitchen probably. And well, you know, in 20 years, they must've painted the living room, come on. So Anne and I created boards that updated it, you know, 10 years, shall we say. And, you know, a little more updated in the wallpaper and a little plainer carpet. and. We brought in several sofas that had a comfortable feeling to them, but weren't the funny style of the big overgross wood and stuff. Mm -hmm. and 
and I brought in some color tones for the house that I thought would be, you know, kind of clean it up a little bit and, and brought in some lamps and a few things. And we said, you know, they've kept a lot, but you know, like anything, you know, something wears out or you break it, you get something new. So we presented all of this with, with, with still respect for things that, that, you know, should still be there that we could certainly find or replicate. And Sarah and uh, Whitney and Bruce at this point, Roseanne didn't make it to this meeting. They all looked at me and Anne and said, this is a terrible mistake. We need you to make it look as close as you can to the original set. So that's when we went, oh, no. <laughs> but they were very kind and they said the right words. They said, OK, so we know you can't get exactly everything exactly the same. Do as best you can. And our explanation is going to be when they went to replace that lamp because it was broken, they got something that was as close as they could get that looked like it, but it doesn't have to be exactly the same. But as time went on during the process, it became more and more about, well, how can we make it look more like what was there? So we found carpet. We found, uh, Anne found two sofas on Craigslist that, that, of that. We cut one down and turned it into the chair. Mm -hmm. Fabric at a, 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 a RV manufacturer in Indiana, the Herculon, got brought it in, repainted some of the plaid stripes so we could bring a little bit more of the red into it. The wallpaper in the kitchen, even though they had re-wallpapered it three times over the 10 years the show had aired, um, we had to find something that would look as close to one of those three as possible with the little vignettes of kitcheny things. Well, let me tell you, they do not make that kind of wallpaper anymore at all. So uh, we had to print create all the wallpaper so that it would match. And then when it came to the color of the living room, this, this kind of weird lettuce green that really that had some yellow in it, but was kind of neutral. We did like 50 tests. We shot it on camera. We put these tests through post. We finally found a color we liked, we thought, we painted it. Sarah came in and looked and said, oh, it's just not right. It's just not right. It's too minty. So the producers and everyone there involved was very gracious. And our goal was to get it to where Sarah wanted it and where, where everybody would feel that it was right. So we ended up painting the set three times to finally get that color, which I think we got we pretty much achieved, you know, if you, if you look at an old episode and a new episode, you'll still, the color, you know, it may not be exact, but it's, it's damn close. Oh yeah. Side by side, looking at pictures, it's, it's pretty close. I think you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. It, but it wasn't, that was, that was a real kind of a challenge to do. And, but it was interesting to do. And then once Roseanne left the show, uh, we really haven't done anything to the main sets um, but as we've explored a little bit more of the world of Lanford and we've gone out a little bit, we've, we've, we've sort of, we've tried to remain true to the, you know, working class town of Lanford. Mm -hmm. But as we follow the script and the writing, if they need to be in a little more upscale restaurant, we're not afraid to, to do that. You know, we want to support the scene. But it's I, been, I, And it's, talk about another show that has some heavy heavy stories yeah. mixed in with some with some comedy. And I don't think there's anyone finer than John Goodman. 
I'm, I've, I mean, I've been in love with him forever. <laughs> I just think he's phenomenal. And well, I watch the Connors. I, I love the show. Yeah, the writing is extremely good. And, and again, I, I, it's good writing, but what an amazing cast. Yeah. And, you know, the writers have a chance to give those actors material that not everybody can could handle. But they manage it so beautifully that you just keep going with them on it. You know, you root for these characters. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I, I'd have to say uh, I came up uh, I'm from Philly and South Jersey. And yeah. it was so relatable. Not that we were like like them as much like down and out or anything we weren't like that but they was such a relatable tv show and and i just think to myself god if you had updated that house i started to think of like neighbors of my parents and everything like nobody's nobody's updating anything back there and even you know i spend a lot of time i love going to estate sales here mm -hmm. in los angeles and and or moving sales and things and you walk in I, it's so many time capsules i've walked into yes. where oh, people, love it. you know that it is it's and it's a whole life story in 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 these homes that i look at them and think see we don't have to rush out and paint everything gray no no stop painting everything gray stop I said that when Ashton moved in, you know, at the very beginning of the, you know, the new wave of gray, mm -hmm. when Ashton moved in on, on Two and a Half Men, I moved okay. in that direction, you know, just as it was starting to... to but that's it. That's, you nailed it. That's the trend. That's, you know... That, that was trend. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and that character would have had that. So, yes. Um... I was also, I looked through the um, the packet submission that you have for the ADG, and I just wanted to ask about one set before I let you go, because you've been so kind. Hello. The the yacht set that you did, or, or for um, for Big Bang Theory, sorry. Right. Um, how fun is that? That's a beautiful well, thing. That's the kind of thing when they tell you, you first go gasp. Uh, yes. <laughs> but, but on the other hand... Uh, I, I, and this one in particular was was really was fun for me because I have I've had a long held fantasy of of somehow buying a pre owned yacht of some some size you know maybe <laughs> just a forty footer you know oh yeah uh, but I've spent a lot of time looking at boat magazines and things <laughs> and so when they described the yacht and what level it was I knew just exactly you know what I wanted to do in terms of uh, uh, the manufacturer and everything because we needed enough of a large enough rear deck so we could set out that little patio scene. Mm -hmm. you know, so in a, for a boat to have that, it needs to be about at least 70 feet. And so I brought in pictures of, of yachts and I brought in pictures and, and then we were able to get, you know, once we selected the model and I wish I could tell you which one it was, but I don't remember. Um, you know, we were able to find some dimensions and measuring to help us. And then we, you know, took our own, you know, melded together, you know, three different, you know, yacht manufacturers ideas to create that that rear deck. And we, then we just really captured the architecture of it, though, like the the thickness of those walls and and the arc of, of it. It's really it's such a great set. I love it. 
Well, Francoise Jerry Cohen, who works with me, she carefully drafted it, and I, I made, you know, everybody wanted to just make it with square edges, and I, and I said, no, 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 get out your router. We're going to make every edge has got to be curved. Yes. This is a fiberglass boat. It's a boat. You fall against it. There are no sharp corners. So, you know, they had, they had, we had, I had written it on the drawing. We'd written it on the drawing about the edging. But mm -hmm. when I went down to the mill and saw it, I said, guys, guys, we don't with this. And I, you know, brought in pictures and said, see, it's, it, we need to make this look like it's made out of fiberglass. And oh, it does. It. it totally does. But and then the flooring, is that carpet on two different carpets or is it? Well, it's, you know, they manufacture uh, linoleum that looks like teak hardwood. Yeah. I mean, I was, I thought I would assume it would be teak, but I'm like, it can't be teak. It's like a, an illusion that it's, that it's teak. That's a fantastic well, a, I've find. I've been to a lot of boat shows and they actually manufacture <laughs> stuff. Oh, that's a fantastic find. It looks and great. Then, you know, and then of course we did, you know, a, you know, outdoor area rug like people use nowadays, as I say. Mm -hmm. And of course, the, the interior had a, a finer wood floor with a suggestion of a carpet installed there, too. Oh, yeah. Just a fantastic set. And I I did not see that episode, but were they on it the whole... They should have been on... That whole episode should have been done on this yacht. There was, like, there, was, it, there was one extended scene that was cut back and forth, too, as I recall. Mm. So it wasn't as much as, as they could have, would have, should have. Uh, mm. But then we would have had build to build more of the boat, and we had to build the whole thing up on a giant uh, rigged platform on top of tires so we could rock it, you know. Oh my God, that's right! Oh wow! And then save room on the stage for the you have a black psych in this picture yeah. with it, yeah. but I'm sure you had to uh, have lighting and grid and. Well, and that was all. It was all done in front of blacks. They use black instead of blue screen or green screen. Hmm. Which, oh, which actually I've learned is, is, is really kind of a nice change because you don't get you don't get those weird green or blue reflections on things. Yeah, reflections off of like anything chrome or any sort of metal, you get like a reflection off of it. Right, right. So no. on that show, one more comment is that yeah. the last episode, uh, they, they, we got the call that they were going to be getting the Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. It was That's like... Cute. Okay, do you guys know what this looks like? So I researched it up and went, this is going to, the Nobel Prize is always done in Sweden in the orchestra hall and mm -hmm. have recently it's remodeled it. So we actually based ours on the, the version before the most recent renovation. But the number one thing is it is, it is a tribute to florals. Yes, I see that. It's beautiful. Every year, if you research the Nobel Prize, they do these extravagant florals that hang down off of the, the rails that are in front of the choir, which is above the orchestra level. Mm -hmm. And then the orchestra platform in, this, in, the, in the hall, you know, is, it's really doesn't have many, much in the way of entrances. They have sort of garage doors on the side where they push grand pianos in and out. <laughs> and they have simple little doors. It's just the same way at, like at the Kennedy Center in the orchestra hall or at, at, in Lincoln Center. And I think, I forget what it's called now. It's not the same hall that it used to be. They just um, push, it, push in the scenery and, and, and then it will... Yeah, there is no scenery in these places usually. So that's why, 
you know, in Stockholm, they, they just spend a fortune on flowers. Oh, yeah. And then the dinner part of it yeah. is, ex- ex- I mean, it's extraordinary. Yeah. Those dinner tables, these big, long dinner tables that they have with tons and tons of florals and candles. And it's magnificent. I, I also, I, I also researched it for Veep. <laughs> Yeah, we unfortunately we didn't we didn't have to do that. I had been to Stockholm and I had seen the hall, etc., oh. where they do the party and they have some of the tables, you know, the displays. But um, the uh, that was a challenge to do, and 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 you know, finding the thrones for the the royal family to sit on. Yeah, they're know, beautiful. Matched. We we had to have them regilded and reupholstered because most of the gilded, you know, uh, high baroque, you know, Louis fourteen. They don't hold up in prop houses. They're wore out. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) They're worn out. They've lost their luster. They've all been used as Santa Claus chairs, and so they (laughs) all have stains on them. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all bad Santa. And then I even was thinking, my God, how did she find all of those red chairs for them to sit on? Right. So it is when you have to find multiples in this town, it's not easy anymore. Oh no! And then when not- every time we have to do a restaurant, which seems like every other week, I go to Anne first and say, "Okay, what chairs do you want to use, and how many can you get before we design?" Yeah, it's <laughs> it's crazy. I I I don't know. I didn't used to have this problem, and I feel like we're busier than ever, and now we can't get as much stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, it's it chairs. It's the restaurant chairs are like okay. Yeah. There's, you know, there's this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. It's like 10 sets in all of yeah. Los Angeles. That you can get like 50 40. of. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise it looks like, you know, your rent, the rental from like a party place. Right. Yeah. Then, then it looks like a rental from a party place. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. fine if it's a party, supposed to be a rental from a party place. Well, yeah. But. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I cannot thank you enough. You're um, welcome. I hope I get to grab your arm over at the uh, the awards next month. Yeah, please come find me. Yes. Um, thank you so much. That was extraordinary. Every, I mean, I could go on and on. I have so many questions. Golden Girls, I could do an hour with you. I am so, um, so happy that I got to spend this time with you because uh, I really appreciate your work and you have absolutely inspired me. Um, to become a decorator with all, everything, uh, all the shows that I've watched of yours. Obviously, it's a living. So, <laughs> uh, thank you so you're much welcome. for you're, giving you're me your time. Kind and, and this is always fun. Thank you. That's great. Thanks. Okay, another time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Such great stories. I mean, so many. He's got so many good stories. I'm so mad I forgot to tell him that my logo for decorating pages is the friend sofa. And in designing it, I wanted an iconic piece of TV or film furniture. And I thought of sofas in multicam and how the show revolves around it. And it was really down to the friend sofa or the Roseanne. And I just thought the friends would be more recognizable. So, um, damn, I forgot to tell him that. I get a lot of emails asking me, like, where did you get that blanket? Or where did those drapes come from? And although uh, it's been on my website, I don't think I've actually plugged it on here. I have an Amazon page. And I mean, all of the purchases that I've made on Amazon for Veep 
Versace, Good Good Place. Um, I have, uh, and I'll have Moxie up there. Uh, there's a link on my Decorating Pages podcast website. On the top, it says, as seen on TV. And it takes you right to the Amazon page, and then you can see everything that I bought for the shows, if you're, if you're interested. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Wanup for Decorating Pages. Decorating Pages is sponsored by Stogie Floaty. Float them if you got them. On sale now at stogiefloaty.com.